0: to the world the Lord has come that is my friends the basis on which I can say to you Happy New Year Happy 2021 and you might think I don't know how I'm gonna be happy this year Uh, 2020 was was difficult in many ways but it's it's the presence of God in our lives that uh, helps us to find joy and it's, it's the gospel that tells us that Jesus is the light that has come into darkness. The people in darkness have seen a great light. So as we look forward uh, with Sidewalk Skyline podcast, uh, I want to just continually bring back episodes to you and interviews that will give us reasons to be hopeful reasons to see that uh, god has never stopped working in the midst of uh, circumstances that we don't understand god is still with us god is still doing some incredible things and he's doing incredible things in canadian cities so we had a contest uh, on our facebook page and uh, i asked uh, you the listeners if you would consider looking at that list of our 2020 episodes uh, and from those to pick the three that you think were the top three most listened to episodes. And then if you were able to guess uh, the top three in sequence, uh, I was going to double the reward. Well, unfortunately, Uh, None of you uh, had the gift of prophecy and were able to determine which were the top three. Some of you came close. You guessed two out of three, but uh, that isn't what the contest asked for. So the 2020 most listened to episodes. You ready for this? The third most listened to episode was... Six Degrees of Separation from Chris Chase. That was our number three most listened to episode. Our number two most listened episode was gangland preacher, Mark Goring. And Mark, uh, on one of our episodes, when he spoke at our city conference in 2019, uh, shared uh, some of his story and uh, that was number two, most listened. The number one most listened, drum roll please, from street kid to street chaplain, the Adam White interview. Well, I'm glad that I've been able to be a part of uh, exposing you and giving you the opportunity to hear so many uh, great stories of people in Canada, in urban centers, doing um, spectacular things. And uh, so as we start off today, January 1st, 2021, I'm uh, going to feature an interview that I recorded uh, during uh, pandemic shutdown times uh, during 2020. I recorded my interview with Mark Griffin. And uh, Mark is uh, uh, currently Director of uh, Christians Against Poverty, uh, but he's spent uh, many years pastoring, uh, being in missions, being a district youth director, many things that Mark has done. And uh, I know that uh, he is well known from coast to coast and even around the world in in some settings. So without uh, prolonging it anymore, I want to take you now to our interview with Mark Griffin. Mark Griffin. Uh, I was trying to remember, uh, when did we first meet? I, I I thought of it this morning. Did you? Yeah. And I, I won't
1: tell you where I thought of it because then it just gets awkward. Okay. But I was thinking, Kevin Rogers. When did I meet Kevin? So you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I was doing promotional photography for CKCUFM ufm out of ottawa for a david meese concert in peterborough and you were the warm-up gig not two fish but just you all by wow. yourself and i i'd heard of you you know kevin rogers is coming back Ooh, it was like this mystical thing kevin rogers is coming <laughs> back to peterborough and everybody was just all impressed and excited and i was like who's kevin who's who is this man like unto one of the gods but it was
0: just you. It was just me. I don't was, even remember me,
1: yeah, but I I took some pictures of you and you came up to me after and said, uh, hey, you're doing photography. If you got any good shots, I could use them, but I didn't I didn't honestly have any good well, shots. well the subject
0: only. material that you had to shoot made it difficult
1: No, it was just I was that bad at photography i was used to fully automated and somebody had loaned me a camera and said go oh, take yeah. some pictures and i destroyed the evening but hey david, i got into
0: opening for david meese was yeah. that at um uh what was it was that jubilee yeah i
1: that, believe that's the name that of it. it charismatic was, church yeah it was just some outside church, peterborough it was some church that looked like art deco had collided with Crack cocaine, and they produced a building. Can I can I say that on a podcast? I'm yeah, you not can sure that. Okay. Yeah. So
0: uh, yeah, and some I of remember, our listeners will know what you're talking.
1: Yeah, about. I remember driving up to the building, thinking, "Oh, I know this decorating style. This is early ugly, is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most hideous building." But yeah. then I got to meet you, so it was a very fruitful night. And wow, and I always appreciated David Meese, and he was he was just a lovely. Brother, and yeah. just it was nice to get to me. So I, this is the first I'd met you. Uh, probably the last time I got to be with David Meese. <laughs> like we don't hang out a lot, but no. but again, he was a great writer and really nice man. So it was a delightful evening for me. I thought it was a double win. Sorry about your luck, Kevin.
0: <laughs> that that had to have been in the early '80s.
1: Yeah, I'd say I would guess the fall of '83. Yeah, that would be my guess, or early '84. Yeah, so,
0: and then so, I, I remember uh, knowing uh, of your dad, who was pastoring, uh, what was that town he was in up in eastern Ontario there? Frankford. Frankford, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I believe I was living in Belleville okay. at the time.
1: Did you gig with him at all? Like With your dad? Yeah, he plays a Mean Hammond B3 with Leslie Speaker.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: My dad's like a, just he's a rock and roll
0: maniac. He is? Well... He plays the Okay, organ. there's a funny story I remember about <laughs> Here uh, we go. your mom. Here we go.
1: <laughs> Careful. She's with Jesus now. Careful. Okay,
0: well, then she, <laughs> she can she can do the fact-checking on okay. this. <laughs> um, your parents were living somewhere in the GTA in a uh, their retirement years, and okay. they were in some kind of condo. And yeah. There was some kind of condo association get-together. Okay. And um Uh, there was a beer story. Do you remember it? No. No?
1: I don't remember a beer story. They were in property management.
0: Property management, Before they retired permanently. Okay, so uh, there was... um, Whether they had to pick up the beer for the condo association
1: hide the beer of the pastors here
0: yeah i i don't think they were ever drinkers that i'm no, aware of no, no no they were good old pentecostals oh, as, as pentecostals can they be were as holy as yeah you could be mm-hmm. which they even had
1: alcohol-free rubbing alcohol like they were that they Pentecostal. Were, yeah. yeah
0: but uh your um your your mom uh was asked to about getting the beer and she asked um, if there was uh, what was it again she's supposed to get um, uh, Labatt's or was it Labatt's Blue and and she said something about um, and should I get a blue light which at that time was it was funny because that didn't exist but it was just kind of an awkward thing that that she said that was funny that <laughs> revealed her complete lack of knowledge of alcohol at that time. But it was prophetic, beer. That's right. Yeah. It's she, it's the yes. mingling
1: of the worlds, the Pentecostal and the alcohol world. That's right. That's right. It's beautiful. And my mom, she had that
0: leading of the spirit. She did. You know? Didn't she? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so she um, she saw it coming, and and it, it makes sense, you know that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I see where you're going with yeah. this.
0: Well, Sorry. anyways, so then I remember. Uh, well, let's let, before I, we get too far down memory lane, because that gets kind of shady and foggy, very and, muddy, and uh, then yeah. the fact checkers are gonna go crazy because we're gonna get it wrong. So, so instead of going down that lane, um, why don't we go down your lane and uh, talk to me a little bit about the uh, long rabbit trail of. Uh, global leading of the Spirit in your life, all the places that uh, that you've been and lived and, and capacities that you've been serving the Lord in. So wow. Take us back. Wow. Uh, preacher's s- kid. Yeah, born and
1: raised in the church yeah. and uh, lots of delightful experiences as a preacher's kid, but, you know, as a PK. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, I knew... Your dad for years growing up and just mm-hmm. always had a lot of respect for Don Rogers. But, yeah, my, both of my grandpas were also Pentecostal ministers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, both church planters. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grandpa Griffin was a Bible school teacher. Grandpa Gresco planted a church here in the city of Hamilton.
0: And, uh, is that okay to be uh yeah. geographic specific to you the podcast? Can. That's okay. We are, we are, as you and I are talking, we're in downtown Hamilton. Yeah. Well, yeah. you are, I'm having a transcendental meditation experience oh, okay. right
1: now. You're I'm in actually, the wormhole. I'm actually in Pittsburgh. Right okay. Now. Yeah. Just for our <laughs> Welcome clarifications. Back. Welcome a, back to our good show. Good to have you back, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I grew up with all this, uh, Pentecostalism and, Uh, just a wonderful church background and very thankful for that. And then, uh, right out of Bible school, Mm -hmm. I went to, uh, Frankfurt, Ontario to work with my dad for a year and a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I got married and pastored with Bill Bond as his youth pastor up in Barrie, Ontario and had three wonderful years with him before I went to, uh, our denominational office in Burlington. Mm-hmm. to be the campus ministries director that was uh just a wonderful faith experience because we only had budget for a year right uh, for my salary right and when that ran that, was out was
0: that the the youth ministries yeah worked yeah. for jamie stewart in the oh, youth yeah. ministries
1: department yeah and then from there i went down to be with george carroll in windsor Yes. So that's, uh, my that earliest was another
0: one of our connect points, yeah.
1: Windsor connections. Yeah. And you were just about to come into Windsor to do new song and mm-hmm. plant that brilliant church. Yeah. And we had lots of connections cause we lived on central and of course that's just a block or two from Drew Yeah, And so, you know, that's what we could afford starting mm-hmm. out as a young family. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, lots of great connections in Windsor, both with uh, George Carroll, but the church there, still lots of friends to this day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I got voted in to the youth ministries position and did that for seven years out of the district office as well. Mm-hmm. So back in the Burlington-Hamilton area. And,
0: uh, oh, hang on. The Did you say you worked prior to Windsor at district? Yeah, that was just a one-year gig. And that was doing...
1: Campus Ministries. Oh, Campus Ministries. Specifically,
0: yeah. Oh, and in Campus Ministries at that time, was that like high school? Yeah, just high focusing
1: on high school outreach okay. and uh, whatever we could do to get into high school campuses right. in an evangelistic way.
0: Okay, then to, to Windsor for a few years at Parkwood, and then back to District as yeah. the Youth Ministries Director.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that was seven years, and that took me up to the year 2000. hmm and after that season, we uh, that's when we really started to dabble in missions. Uh, like we'd loved pastoring, we'd loved youth work, but we'd always had a heart for missions. So we mm-hmm. pioneered uh, the Canadian office of Next Level International. Mm-hmm. It had been going a bit, and it used to be called Youth Ministries International out of the UK, but we give, gave them a little more of a Canadian presence, and I was their first full-time. Every, everybody else had been part-time dabbling. Yeah. But I went for that for two and a bit years, mm-hmm. and in the process of looking for a home church, we started attending uh, Lake Mount Worship Center in Grimsby, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted Terry Bone to be our pastor because he's just a brilliant teacher, Oh yeah. great, great man. And, uh, but then I'd only been there two months and was part-time staff there while I worked towards my mission support and he resigned. And I said, Terry, what happens if the next guy comes along and he's a complete idiot? So sure enough. can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, that idiot ended up being me. Well, there you go. church came after me to be the lead pastor. And, uh, so that was my first experience senior pastoring and, Mm -hmm. uh, God did some really neat things. Yep. And we went from being a, that was a full-on renewal church in the early yeah. 90s. Yeah. And as that renewal season kind of came and went, that's when I was coming in. And and to be honest with you, a lot of the renewal stuff had become renewal form. Mm-hmm. You know, just that's how people did it, but not saying God was necessarily still in it. Yeah, and And I'm not here to... I mean, I think there was a lot of wonderful things happened in renewal. Yeah. But we, how how I articulated it is that that went from being a renewal church to a renewed church, mm. kind of that whole metaphor of uh, new wine skin. So that was uh, almost seven years I was there, and God did great things. The church grew financially, numerically, uh, started working towards a new facility. Mm-hmm. But in my heart, Kevin, I had. Nothing in my heart about building a new building. Right, that's just right. not my, not my skill set. Kind of know your limits, stay within it. But the church needed to do something. Two services was getting a little old, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I walked away from that. I itinerated for a bit, and then we ended up again in the mission field, and we went to Germany from 2010 to 14,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, again, God surprised us and. Uh, we acquired a facility to train leaders and church planters, and we bought a, a hotel, a former 23-bedroom house, mm. and commercial kitchen and restaurant, and we converted all that into being a training center um, just about an hour northeast of Frankfurt. Mm. So we have no German roots or language or nothing. We just felt that's what god wanted us to do and kevin craziest thing um, my wife called me i was back in canada i won't go into the details of how i was working in calgary part-time while we were support raising but that's another long story for another day but the lord uh, did something neat my wife calls me and she said mark all my socks are filled with holes. Can you send me some money? Can you send me some money in the bank to get some socks? I said, honey, I just paid all the bills and literally we have nothing at least for a week. And I said, can you return some bottles to maybe go buy? Like, what do you need? She goes, oh, just like five or 10 euros. I said, you're going to have to do a bottle return and take all the bottles down to the grocery store and come up with five or 10 euros and go buy yourself some socks. I'm sorry, honey, I got nothing like the budget's that tight. And she said, okay, well, it was that same week. My wife was, I don't know what she was doing, but the Lord dropped this idea uh, into her heart that she should start looking for a property. And she's like, I, I don't even have, I don't even have money for socks. How can I go looking for a property? And she heard it very clearly. Like, Go looking for a property. So she she starts scanning the internet for something that could be a leadership training center. And the things she keeps seeing are guest houses. So long story short, a year later, with no budget, we had acquired a property, paid for everything. Uh, the cost of the property, closing costs, taxes, all the registration fees and done it in German, which neither of us spoke any German. So we secured a lawyer, we secured everything. And uh, POC, our covering denomination was incredibly helpful in that process. And of course, David Boyd is uh, Mm -hmm. uh, very linguistically gifted. He was very helpful and encouraging. So we were there four years and we'd never planned on buying a building, but the Lord dropped that in my wife's heart. And she's like, okay, we ended up looking at 40 properties. So the realtor's asking us, what kind of price range you looking at and we're like oh yeah i don't know quarter million 300,000 somewhere <laughs> like when you when you have you absolutely could have said 10 million yeah, you when you, yeah when you have absolutely nothing uh, it, it's all a step of faith yeah uh, but sure enough within uh, i'm going to say just a couple weeks of closing we pitched the idea to our covering church back in Canada they paid for the whole thing my and, uh, we wow. were just like, this, this is a God moment. Like again, from yeah. not having money to buy socks to having this, uh, ministry center. And, uh, it's still going to, 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 this day, Marcus and Liz Brandt are now yeah. POC yeah, missionaries running Das Kana the house. Yeah. And we're just, and, and just the acquisition of the thing was incredible how God worked that all out and. Yeah. And, uh, that was a highlight in our history, Kevin. We consider our time in Europe to have been just a, an incredible privilege mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, you never could have planned for. We had two of our kids graduated high school, uh, from a boarding school missions, boarding school mm-hmm. in Germany. And yeah, so we came back to Canada, pastored out West in Calgary for a few years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, most recently, uh, after looking for a job for a season, we found this opportunity at CAP Canada. So here we are back in Hamilton, a beloved sister, uh, city and a major part of our, both our family history and our personal history. So that's it. I probably- It's,
0: it's, it's interesting how, uh, you know, um, place plays into the story of our lives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you've had many places Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, uh, you're back to Hamilton, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of kind of coming home, isn't it? Oh, well,
1: absolutely. We yeah we love the city. my My grandfather, um, my great grandfather Orley Burgess Griffin, mm-hmm. he used to own the general store in Waterdown, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Burnt to the ground, he took the insurance money. Said to his wife, "Hey, you know, good." Methodist folks. Maybe this is our opportunity to go drink in that Pentecostal revival we heard about. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Pasadena. You thought I was going to say Beverly, didn't you? (laughs) But they moved to uh, Pasadena and uh, took in the Pentecostal revival. My great grandfather was spirit filled at the Azusa street mission. No way. And then, uh, Shortly after that, he saw the Rose Bowl Parade in Pasadena. And this was kind of as Azusa Street was winding down. And um, shortly after that, uh, Amy Semple McPherson was mm-hmm. going guns a that at uh, Angeles Temple. Mm-hmm. So Angelus Temple actually had a float in the Rose Bowl Parade. And uh, as it went by, the Lord spoke to, just whispered into my great grandpa's ear, go there. I want to meet your family. And he'd made a promise to his wife. We're not coming back to Canada until every one of our kids has experienced the outpouring of the spirit. So the Lord dropped into his heart, go there and I'll meet, I'll meet with your entire family. So Hmm. my, my grandpa was baptized in the Holy Spirit at Angelus Temple. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he told me stories, uh, as, as a young boy and a teenager, and particularly when I headed off to Bible school, he started to unpack some of his personal experience and how, how God met him profoundly, uh, at Angeles Temple and how it changed his life. Hmm. And, uh, he came back here, I think he was 16 or 17 when they came back to Hamilton. And, uh, Yeah, he would go preaching on the beaches of Dunville. He'd go preaching downtown Brantford and was instrumental in planting churches here in this area before he finally went off to Bible school at the ripe old age of 18. Went out to Winnipeg to see, what was that, CBC, Central Bible College. And shortly after became... Church planter in Charbot Lake, Ontario, up in the Ottawa Valley area. So that was all based out of Hamilton here. And my great-grandfather, he bought another general store not far from here and started Pentecostal house meetings. And he had 30, 40, up to 50 people and just couldn't run the store and the church. So he brought in a young man. Imagine this, a young man by the name of J.H. Blair. Hmm. Uh, to run with the thing. And you'd, you'd personally know some of his story and oh, yeah. how God yeah. used J.H. Blair. But but uh, yeah, so when I think of Hamilton, I think that's our town. That's where, you know, we started churches. Yeah. And, and my grandpa on the other side, my mom's dad also planted a church here. But I, yay, verily, I've digressed too much already, Kevin, to, <laughs> to go into any more rabbit trail stories.
0: Well, the... The blessing of God, the the investment that God makes in a person's life, um, is intended to carry on for generations, mm-hmm. and that's that's true in in your family story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also true as I trace my family story uh, to to see how um, you know that we we, we got here um, through others mm-hmm. and and the things that God deposits into us. We're, we're kind of living off of uh, the investment that was made by somebody yeah. else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kevin, there's been times where I've ministered here in the
1: city of Hamilton and I walk away from it thinking, wow, that many people got, you know, had a profound encounter with Jesus or came to Jesus or got healed or mm-hmm. like for me, those, not that I'm a number keeping guy, but if I were like those numbers go through the roof anytime I minister in Hamilton. And Mm -hmm. I realized, well, I prayed about the same amount I normally do. I studied about the same amount I normally do. I'm fairly consistent that way, but I would just say, wow, these results, this has nothing to do with me. And I just feel like there's a, a swell that comes behind me, a tidal wave that I just kind of ride in and yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. Like I'm just talking the way I normally yeah. talk, and all of a sudden somebody's crying. And I mean, I get that a lot when I talk. People just start crying. Like, oh, what's he saying? This doesn't make any. But you know, not yeah. not the usual not lamenting the usual reasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just the touch of God will wash over people, and I'll be like, yeah. wow, I feel like I'm just sharing the way I normally share, and yeah, just showing up yep and yes. God does yep. something and some of it's related to family and the investment of prayer and mm-hmm. energy I, I don't know how all that works well, I, I
0: remember that about about you uh, my, and we had you years ago come speak at New Song Church and and uh, and I just remember that about uh, it was in the nature of your ministry that uh, that God would uh, use you to um to trigger things mm. in people mm. you know and uh to say things that uh, just cut beneath the surface to mm. something that God wanted to say to them. and Sure. And, and you were the guy that uh, sometimes he would use. Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough, that's yeah. the Old
1: Testament thing of Balaam's donkey. Yes. If God can speak through a donkey. Because Kevin, you know, I'm just a regular guy. And like when I say mm-hmm. regular, I don't mean like as opposed to constipated. I just mean like no. I'm normal, a normal person. I, yeah. I don't have any ears about me. I just share from my heart. And, yeah. but like you say, like there, there's that thing God is doing below the surface. And mm-hmm. I, it's like, I'll tell a story. I'm like, why, why would I, I usually tell those points, but I'm coming at the story from a totally different angle or yeah. I shared these verses before, but before verse 17 and 18 stood out and now verse 11 and 12. I, yeah. And, and it's just, It's not that I'm that smart. Mm -hmm. It's just, I believe, um, those that are led of the spirit are born of the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a birthright thing. Not that I deserve that. It's just that the blessing and the favor of God, I'm sure you've seen this a zillion times over too. It's like, Lord, I don't know why I said it that way, but that seemed to really touch somebody and I'm just thankful and I try to be tender and sometimes, you know, I'm just a tough old goat and I just plow and blunder, you know, bull in a tiny China shop kind of guy. But, uh, yeah, sometimes if you just open your heart to the Lord, he'll put little things and, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll be praying like, you know, you're just minding your own business, saying a prayer and all of a sudden you find yourself quoting a verse and, and then the person that you're praying for says, how did you know? That's like, the most important verse in my life. And I was thinking of committing suicide. And I said, God, give me a sign. You know, these these crazy stories. yeah. And uh, you just know, well, where did that verse come from? Out of the blue, popping into my head. And if you just, I find the enemies of that, Kevin, if you're in a rush, Mm -hmm. you don't land on that stuff. Mm. Or if you're angry or you have unresolved emotion, a lot of those times you'll miss those gentle thoughts and ideas, and that's when I become the bull in the china shop. Mm. But if I slow down, take my time, if I'm present, I'm in the moment, and I just listen to people, and I don't try to preach at them, uh, but I just try to empathize and care for them, I'll hear things. And when I say hear, it's not like I get this major download. I just get these little gentle, Impressions, ideas, imaginations. I don't know what, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would label it, but you know, those can be game changers for yeah. people. And I've seen it happen so many times. I know it's not lucky. I know it's not coincidence because if I prayed that same prayer that I prayed over person A, if I prayed that over person C, it would mean nothing to yeah, them. It's not a
0: shtick. It's yeah. not just. Yeah, You're doing the same old, same old. It's it's just being flexible and open, right? Yeah, yeah. that uh, you'd know the John
1: three verses. The wind blows. Yeah, wherever it pleases. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like I have some corner on something or some special no. technique. I believe this is available to every single person. And you know what? Mm-hmm. You don't even have to be Pentecostal. Like, like I've met so many people that are even anti Pentecostal, but they have this sweetness of God Mm -hmm. in their hearts because they've been born of the spirit. Like it it doesn't mean you've had some Pentecostal encounter. It just means you love Jesus. You're in touch with him and the spirit of God can do whatever he wants, however he wants. And like I said, he used Balaam's donkey. Mm -hmm. Maybe he could use me. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of my story.
0: Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And so that brings us up to your current um, uh, career move or ministry move, whatever (laughs) you want to call it. Career. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong choice, not career. Yeah. Yeah. Your your current uh, placement, (laughs) uh, Christians against poverty. (laughs) Now, there's a saying... You know that uh, people will say, "Oh, you know, Christians are always known for what they're against, instead of what they're for." And uh, but I think in in this case we got to make the exception and say, "Well, there is a, a something that followers of Jesus are against about poverty."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and uh, and and I think that um, not everybody that uh, is, uh, naming the name of Jesus necessarily thinks a whole lot about poverty, Mm -hmm. but I think we all think a lot about money Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, uh, the, we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but there's also another spirit and spirit in the world, uh, that creates this, um, entity of power mm-hmm. called money, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and then um, the, the, the poverty, uh, whether that's a, uh, a manifest spirit or it's just bad practices or I, I don't know how to define it all. Maybe you've got some ideas on it, but what are we talking about? When we say Christians against poverty, define what what you mean by poverty. <laughs> what is that? That's a great question. I I think Kevin, I take a position as just
1: a, a state of not having, but something that goes with that is is the fear of not getting more. Mm-hmm. There's a mentality, a poverty spirit of not just that I don't have in the actual position of poverty, but just the the attitude that goes with it, which, Again, I know wealthy people mm-hmm. that have lots, but they have a poverty spirit and they they just hold on to it as tightly as they can right? because they're afraid they're going to lose it or not get more. The great gifts that they have, they have to so closely steward them. It's like yeah. God's going to steal it away from them or they're going to lose it somehow. And of course, we know from Scripture, generosity is the way of the kingdom. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, I think so much of it is just have and have not. It's Mm -hmm. uh, I think we lose the, the beauty of the gospel message. Like when Jesus gets up, Luke four, the spirit of the, he unrolls the Isaiah scroll, right? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And the first thing he goes after, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Mm. And that's Luke's bias. Like if you read through Luke's gospel, uh, it's almost like hmm seems like God actually likes the poor better and we know God is no respecter yeah. of persons but but there's this bias in Luke's gospel of they get to hear first yeah the poor get set free because they've had a hard go blessed not just are the poor in spirit like Matthew's gospel but Luke's blessed are the poor mm-hmm. and and it's a recurring theme like
0: right it's obvious there from and them. then and then Luke also Authors, the Book of Acts, mm-hmm. where we see how the early church, uh, w- which is filled with many poor people mm-hmm. uh, and a handful that have a, have a little bit, and how they respond to mm-hmm. poverty, right? And absolutely. Yeah. You think
1: of the the miracle at the. I'm glad you mentioned the the Acts connection and uh, the Lucan. Uh, authorship of both and you think of this definitive moment silver and gold have i none Hmm. but such as i have i give you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk yeah and it's this shift away from uh the group the the apostles and this waiting in jerusalem and this empowerment from on high and it seems like something is almost forcibly through Christ fulfilled at this experience where it's, no, Jesus said, this is why we're here. And and here's this guy with financial need mm-hmm. reaching out. And as remember, Carmen Lynn used to say, here's a guy looking for alms and he got legs. Good, <laughs> good Carmen Lynn material right there. <laughs> But, uh, it's a, <laughs> was he from Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. for arms. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's such a pivotal moment in the gospel where, you know, it's not just for these select few, it's like, it's getting out on the streets. Yeah. And to me, that mobilization, that actualization of the gospel message, it, it's like intrinsically woven, like it's hand in hand, the gospel message. And loving people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's funny when Jesus offers the parable of, you know, the farmer, the sower, he goes out and some of the seed, it goes out on hard ground, stony, stony ground, thorny ground. Uh, but then there's the good ground that receives the, the seed. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everybody that's disadvantaged financially is wide open to the gospel, but people that are hurting people that mm-hmm. are broken. And finance is probably the most glaringly obvious one. Mm-hmm. There's a desperation, both people that are sick and people that are disadvantaged. And uh to me that's that's kind of the logical outflow of the gospel message is that we look after the poor, the orphan, the widow. They're open, Kevin, it's such uh broken ground and people will receive seed that maybe they wouldn't normally. And, you know, people that are just middle-class going around their busyness of the day-to-day monotony of whatever rut they're in, Mm -hmm. you know, they tend to fold their arms. "Ah, If that works for you, great. That's just, it's not my shtick. It's not my thing. But hey, if you need God, yeah, whatever works for you. Right. But there's uh, some of our clients, Kevin, they... They come to us as atheists or of a different religion and we're not trying to ram Jesus down their throat, but unapologetically, we love them. Mm -hmm. We give groceries. It doesn't matter what your religious background affiliation is, your sexual orientation, your financial status, doesn't matter. We love everybody the same and, and just try to encourage them as they walk through these processes. And hopefully in there, they'll say, yeah, wow, I maybe had a bad experience or I didn't believe in
0: God at all, but Mm. I'm going to be open to this. This is a game changer for me. I've heard the saying, maybe you've heard it too, that uh, all poverty is an absence of relationship. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like uh, with CAP, Christians Against Poverty, that uh, you step into people's lives in a way that brings relationships specifically to um the fallout of their poverty mm-hmm. and uh so um give me the give me the elevator pitch for cap sure uh, t- yeah. talk to me about cap and uh delighted to yeah, yeah. we primarily uh do two
1: things uh I'll, I'll start though with our mission statement we uh serve the poor uh, with the church. Uh, well, I'm doing a terrible job. Can you tell I'm new at this?
2: <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> we serve just, the just poor. Led of the spirit, brother. <laughs> and it, it'll make sense to somebody out there in Radio Land that's listening to this we, broadcast today.
1: We serve the poor. We reach the lost with the church across the nation. So how we serve the poor, uh, we do something with the local church called debt centers. And a debt center is just any church that will open up and say, yeah, we wanna reach the poor. Um, and, and and if I can digress on this before, and then I'll mm-hmm. come right back to it. A lot of people think of the poor and they automatically think of the homeless. They think of uh, mental illness is, is actually what they're thinking of that yeah. manifests in the form of homelessness, so a lot of people are terrified of the poor because they're thinking of somebody getting in their face. That's right. You know, not from the same socioeconomic socioeconomic background as them, and making them extremely uncomfortable. And that's huge. Like mm-hmm. uh, if you're like your situation, being in downtown Windsor, and uh, you have homeless people mm-hmm. right on your doorstep. Yep. Um, and and the numbers uh, that I could go after. And like the the closer you get to downtown, basically the higher, all those negative and painful statistics. Until downtown
0: prospers and then the poor got a shuffle.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh, The truth is the poor are all around us. We just can't see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most Canadians identify with the homeless as being the poor and they are, I'm not arguing that, but through things like divorce extended seasons of sickness or unemployment. Mm-hmm. The poor are all around us and they maybe used to be middle-class and they might still even own a home, but are so debt laden. Their net worth isn't such that they can just sell their home and, oh, I'm fine. I can get an apartment and start right. over. Right. We're talking people that are 50, 70, a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and they only have 30, 40, $50,000 of equity in their home. It's a a net worth question of their below zero. Mm -hmm. And some of those are just because, you know, been unemployed for six months, a year, things just went, or again, a medical condition, a lot of time in the hospital, a lot of time without income. Kevin, like anybody that's listening to this, like within a couple hundred meters of your workplace or your church or your home, there are literally hundreds of people that are in poverty. Yep. Pre-COVID, 46% of Canadians in any given month were only $200 away from bankruptcy. So, I mean, what that tells us is moving into the fall, we're going to see record numbers of insolvencies in Canada. Yeah, And uh, I've talked to trustees in the industry, insolvency trustees, bankruptcy lawyers... Kevin, we're I mean, I'm believing things are going to turn around and it's going to be good, and mm-hmm. our downtowns are going to turn around and business is going to come back. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of hurting people all around us. Mm-hmm. So when I say we work with the poor, if uh, a church opens a debt center, all that means is they welcome people that are struggling with great amounts of debt, and we offer a debt counseling service. Mm-hmm to help people get out of debt. Again, we don't just say, Hey, here's a magic wand. Here's the money. You're out of debt. Woo. No, we actually just empower people to get out of debt themselves, help them budget.
0: So so let's, let's cast a scenario here. Um, uh, I'm, I'm in a double income home. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've got, uh, kids in, in public school and high school, uh, you know, we neither of us are, um, you know, making enormous dollars, but we m- should have enough money to be, um, to be able to at least survive and live. And but uh, we've had to refinance refin- our our debts at the bank a couple, three times. You know, uh, we've we've got a line of credit. We've, but we we have this sense of responsibility that we should pay our debts and but we've accumulated a debt load that on paper there's we'll, we'll be 90 years old paying off mm-hmm. the debts that we've accumulated as a young couple in our 30s or 40s
2: mm-hmm.
0: so uh you know do we we, we do we just ignore it and just say, "Well, we just have to have to keep paying the bills and you know just hope that uh, the we win the lottery, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, but it, we're it's getting to where there comes a point where it's getting critical now and mm-hmm. and I don't know if if uh, we're gonna to be able to to pay off that debt we're we could get into real trouble real fast, yeah. So now I hear about a church that has a debt center. Okay, so how how do I hear about that? And what is a debt center? And what is the debt center going to do for me and my house?
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to talk about the other thing Cap Canada does then. Okay. For that specific center. Or do you want to
0: come back to that?
1: Nah, we're on a roll. That's a great question because I think that touches a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Another thing we do is cap money courses. Mm -hmm. So maybe a church doesn't have a full on debt center, but they've heard of a church in town that's doing the cap money course, Mm -hmm. which is a simple stewardship program and training. We don't do that. We just train people from the local church, whether it's a pastor or just somebody that's a good communicator, has a heart for it. They can come to our office or get training virtually online. We're offering that right now for free, Kevin, Mm. because Canada really needs cap money. Yeah. It's a stewardship course and it helps people budget. And and in a situation like the one you've just described, if somebody were to sit through the cap money course, uh, as they're doing the basic budget, which is a part of the course, they would realize, wow, our income every month is $4,000 or $5,000 in our home, but we're spending $6,000. Hmm. Yeah, no wonder we're coming up short. No wonder our line of credit is increasing. And even when I get the occasional bonus at work, we're still following, falling behind. Mm-hmm. So cap money just teaches stewardship, and it helps, and it's a way to introduce Cap Canada to the local church. And uh, ideally, what happens is if somebody was in the situation you described, uh, as they're going through the course, they have an option to hit a button on their laptop or that's called cap money plus to say, help, help, I'm, I'm swimming. I'm, I'm drowning. Actually, I'm not swimming anymore. And we could then bring them into a situation where they get the credit counseling they need or debt management that they need. That's a significant part of what we do. And, uh, a lot of churches teach cap money, but then the, the second phase or the more significant ongoing systemic way we really help Canadians is when they come to a church that offers a debt center. So they've Mm -hmm. come into partnership with us. Again, we train their leaders. We don't do the work on the ground. We just help them set it up. Mm -hmm. And a local church, as they come into this commitment to be a debt center, they learn how to reach out and love people that are going through these kind of exact situations and especially where it's pretty blatant poverty where, again, it's a a single dad or a single mom, income isn't there, just struggling to put groceries on the table, and the food bank helps. But at the end of the day, the best they're doing is status quo. Well, we empower people with a debt management plan, not just to say, hey, you got $15,000 of debt. We're going to write you a check. No, that's not what we do. We actually go into their homes befriend them mm-hmm. build relationship with them and say you know describe your financial visit to we get all the financial details that part comes back to our office where we have certified credit counselors they formulate a plan a budget mm-hmm. that we take back to those individuals again go into their home and say here's what the here's what your uh, your new budget would look like mm-hmm. And it's not just, Hey, here's how you can pay back $15,000. We'll actually step in. And again, we have certified people in our office that can talk to creditors and that $15,000 a debt, as with any other debt or credit counseling agency in Canada, that 15,000 can quickly be cut in half or cut substantially. So that'd be a consumer proposal. Very similar. That's one of the options. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, through consumer proposal or a full-on debt management plan, a DMP. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can go to the creditors. They work with us because we have history with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we pay off that debt. They pay off the debt. We just journey with them. They pay us. Uh, What separates us from other debt management plans or credit counselors in Canada, other credit counseling agencies will take usually 20 22.5% of that amount that's being paid back and that's how they'll run their business. Okay. Because we're a non-profit and there's lots of other non-profits in Canada, we do those home visits, we pitch the plan and we don't take a cent from mm. our clients. So, for some of the clients who think I can't really afford bankruptcy mm-hmm. because that costs $1500 in Canada. Right. For some of those, we can Not for everyone, but for some, we offer uh, free insolvencies and we'll Mm -hmm. journey. But for those that can almost pay it back, but not quite, the difference of that 20% helps us cater to Canada's most disadvantaged people. They want to get out of debt. They want to do it themselves. They're motivated, but they just, they're going to come up short. So for them, we offer it for free. But this is the beauty of it, that's Kevin. Fantastic. The church comes alongside and says, wow, for you to do this, for you to come up with $500 <clears throat> a month and pay your rent mm-hmm. and pay all your normal expenses, but get out of debt in two years, whew, that's going to be a tough one. Guess what? We're here for you. Yeah, here, It's our first visit. Guess what? We, bought, we brought along a few bags of groceries just to help you out. Can, can we just have a peek in your cupboard see how you're doing? Okay, yeah. we're going to have a team here next week just to stock this from our food pageant give people oh, some hope yeah give them some hope but kevin not just talk hope yeah we're showing up and, and yeah. this is what our, our local churches do heroic things like even during covid you know there's papers to sign oh it's okay i'll come to your place i know you're worried we'll have the documents in plastic bags mm-hmm. i'll put them on the hood of your car you can sign them when you're done just step away We'll take the papers. We'll mm-hmm. set this up with your creditor. We have to get the actual signatures, and people, Kevin, showing up to love people. Uh, we we have some other little funds. Uh, you know, if people have a broken down car or their washing machine breaks down, you know, we have something called the Smile Fund. So we don't give away cash, but hey, we'll maybe fix your washer, get you some emergency dentistry, and you know, as you've journeyed with people if they're really tight financially, it's stuff like that that can sink them.
0: Oh yeah. But if we
1: can get them a weekend away yeah. with babysitting, oh. when they're pulling their hair out because, yeah. Oh, I have dentistry. My face is killing me. Mm-hmm. I need help. That's okay. We'll cover the dentistry. Just, yeah. you know, not every time, but we're going to do it this time. Yeah. And you and your, you and your husband have gone through, been going Somebody through it. Somebody give me a break. Yeah. Why don't you yeah. go away? We'll watch the kid. Like, heroic stuff that our partner churches with debt centers have been doing. Kevin, I talked to some of these people and I think, my goodness, I'm thankful for my organization, but you people are heroes. Like Mm -hmm. this is what, this is what Jesus came for was to make Mm -hmm. a difference. And, and Kevin, I've seen so many people. uh, I'm going to digress. This is this, we are, the elevator is so stuck right now uh, in terms of my elevator pitch. But uh, I think of a guy. I'll call him Ron. <clears throat> but here in the Hamilton area, actually. And when Ron first came to us, he made it very clear. Ugh, I don't. I don't go for this Christian stuff. Thanks for your help with the debt, but yeah, I don't believe in this Jesus stuff. But first visit, Ron. Can we pray with you? Yeah, sure. If you want. I, you know, suit yourself, <laughs> and that's fine. But I don't believe that garbage. Yeah. Well. They prayed for Ron. They just kept loving Ron, kept bringing him groceries. And a few months later, as COVID hits, Ron is in a desperate situation. Some money has disappeared from his bank. He doesn't know where it is. He calls us and says, can you guys pray for me? What? (laughs) Ron, I thought you didn't believe in God. Yeah, I know, but (laughs) something's something's really gone wrong here. You got to help me. So. Because we have <clears throat> relationship with the banks and the creditors. We call on Ron's behalf and the money that's missing out of his bank account, it gets found. Things are paid on time that day. Everything works out. Ron calls us back in the afternoon. See, prayer works. It works, you guys. I'm thinking, I thought Ron was an atheist, but something's kind of shifted in his heart. Because again, we're not just talking. We're, we're trying to be there for Ron. So Ron gets invited out to the little Bible study. It's one of these alpha courses going on. And Ron makes it very clear. I still don't believe in God, but... Uh really like the food, really good food at all. I'm going to come and I'm only coming for the food, but, but that's the journey. We're just hanging out with Ron. We're loving Ron and and no no
0: force. It's just invitation and come along if you want.
1: And and that's kind of our, our message. Like we're unapologetically Christian by name Christians, but we're taking a stand against poverty and it doesn't Again, it doesn't necessarily look like homelessness or yeah. addiction, but...
0: We're going to, uh, in the, the show notes uh, for this episode when it airs, we'll, we'll include links to Christians Against Poverty and ways that people can in sure. touch with your organization. Um, and uh, because I think uh, this is such a great opportunity for, for churches that find themselves uh, surrounded by poverty. Yeah you yeah. know, to say, well, here's a way we can do it. And sometimes our imagination is limited and we think, oh, all these poor people, we better have a a, a canned food drive mm-hmm. and have a closet at the church where they can come and get our kidney beans, you know, right. or, or maybe we need to do a soup kitchen or, right. you know, and all those things are good. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're talking about is that whole adage about, not giving a man a fish, but teaching him how to fish. Teaching mm-hmm. people how to manage what they have. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'd like you to do, though, is talk to me a little bit about some of the psychosis around money. Mm-hmm. The talk to me about the um, psychology of hopelessness that yeah. sometimes attaches itself to people. When it comes to the uh, the the pressures mm-hmm. that money has brought into their life, yeah, and yeah. and what are, what are you seeing there? You know, is is this uh, more like is is everybody who's in debt in debt because you know they should have learned to be mm-hmm. wise with their money when they were a kid and and keep those practices? And you know, is it, is is that all it is, or? You know, like what's, what's going on? And, and then what does a person's success or failure with money do to their spirit? Mm-hmm. What are you seeing there?
1: I'm thinking of that song from, I'm going to say early nineties, Bruce Hornsby in the range, man in the silk suit hurries by and catches the poor old lady's eye. And just for fun, he says, get a job. And I think a lot oh. of, I think a lot of our understanding as middle class church people, is oh that's just bad budgeting, that's just irresponsibility, and I think that's the bias. Um, yeah, like right now we're in a season where, you know, the Me Too movement, uh, Black Lives Matter, we're we're trying to be so sensitive. Well. This is a bias. We don't usually pick on it's an elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah. The poor are among us. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus said the poor, you'll always have with you. It wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't ammunition for just blow it off. Keep having fun. (laughs) Keep being (laughs) middle-class. Like when Jesus said the poor, you'll always have with you. He's saying, you got a job to do. Yeah. You get busy. Yeah. And, uh. I want to be the first to say I've really had to overcome my bias of get a job mm-hmm. and uh, the cruelty, the, I mean, that's as harsh and as uh, narrow minded, I think, as I could possibly be as a church person. And, mm-hmm. and so much of that, as I mentioned earlier, is reinforced with my bias of homelessness and mental illness and yep. inner city. Uh, like Kevin, we, you
0: we can even read all the scriptures with that bias.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And miss what Jesus actually said and did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like he's the one who wept over the city of Jerusalem with all its rich and poor. Like there's no Jesus only loves the rich or the middle class or the what like he loves unconditionally. Obviously, this is so kingdom 101. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those really, really hurting, really, truly disadvantaged again by. Uh, by sickness, by unemployment, by marital status and all the negativity that goes with that. There's a huge, I mean, statistically, I won't bore you with specific numbers, partly because I don't have them memorized, but you can imagine the rates of depression, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm self-harm, and even suicide go through the roof as people are pressured uh, economically with greater and longer seasons of unemployment. And even now, as we're in COVID, especially yeah. people who have maybe never thought of suicide before, maybe who are listening to my voice right now, mm. uh, but have never thought of moving their car into the oncoming lane of traffic before this month or just in the last mm. month or two or three, because they're so in trouble financially. And, yeah. uh, There is a whole level of mental health that COVID has exposed. Mm -hmm. And I'm grieved for that, but I'm thankful that it's not just us. There's hundreds Mm -hmm. of ways that people can get help. People just assume, hey, I have $20,000 of debt. I'm going to be 90 when I pay that off. Mm. The truth is a lot of people have paid inordinate amounts of interest, especially people that are getting into payday loans yeah. pushes come to shove and, oh you
0: you already paid your debts off. And, yeah and many the times interest over. means that you're just gonna keep paying the debt that you already paid.
1: Yeah. So justice in Ontario, justice across Canada recognizes you have paid a lot and mm-hmm. you have paid your debt many times over. We can negotiate things. If it's a choice between you killing yourself Because of the weight of this debt? like like, Come on, that's not even an option. No. Don't do it. like Get some help. And it doesn't have to be Cap Canada. I'm just saying we're one of many agencies, and uh, they're just a click away on your smartphone or your Mm. computer to get some debt help. And again, Mm. our goal is to be across Canada in the next few years, and we are in a season of starting to expand our ministry as God permits with uh, financial support and volunteers mm. but as you know Kevin that just doesn't happen overnight it, it takes a while to build it yeah but yeah. people can get help today yeah that's the good news and they can find their way out of debt they can find their way out of depression and and discouragement and and our partner office in the UK they they send us over every now and then news clippings of a man who kills himself uh, a mom who kills herself or or people that have self-harmed or ob would yeah. because of yeah. and it's directly linked to the Marriages financial that stuff. fall apart yeah, yeah. Uh, the fallout from it is so far reaching broken homes mm-hmm. hurting people mm-hmm. dysfunction abounds and a lot of times it's rooted in finance yeah yeah it's a, it's a tragic story but i'm excited we can make a difference like Kevin, yeah. I get up, I get up out of bed in the morning, think I, I get to do this. Like I get to work with heroes every day. We do a little, again, Christian organization. We do a little 15 minutes of prayers in the morning and at the end of prayers, I'll, I'll ask the staff or whoever's leading devotions, will ask the staff, what are we going to do today?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And inevitably somebody will respond. It's, it's, it's a set response. We're not this spontaneous. Uh, what are we going to do today? Let's kick some poverty butt and tell the world about Jesus, and then the rest of the staff. Gets off. <laughs> Kevin, that's worth getting out of bed
0: for. <laughs> that is, and that
1: uh, is. I know there are, there are haters that'll say, "Oh, that's just social gospel." Hmm. Sorry, is is that wrong? Like, is that a problem that we love people practically? Yeah. Like, did 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 we negate the parable of the good Samaritan somewhere? Did Jesus say, "Forget about your neighbor"? Just love God. No, it's, yeah. it's the dual yeah. command, right? There,
0: there is no anti-social gospel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there's no social
0: media gospel. Right.
1: right. Uh, wait, uh, I don't know. Well, I'm just may, making stuff maybe. up now. I don't know what I'm saying.
0: That's what we're doing here. Right. Social media. Oh, oh. okay. Never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Retract. (laughs) We can fix that in the mix, I think. Yeah. Um, Just uh, while we're on this uh, fascinating topic, you know, uh, there's this story about Ananias and Sapphira. Boom. And uh, they um, uh, were giving, uh, they had sold property. Um, It seemed to be the thing that rich people in the early church were doing to help others. They would... uh, sell off what they didn't need so that others could could uh, be sustained and have their debts paid and be provided for but they lied about the amount and uh they claimed that all the money went to to the church but the truth was that they had kept a chunk back for mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. um So what's, what was, what was the real sin that they were committing there? Because the outcome wasn't so good Mm -hmm. for them. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they get called out, how'd that work out for you? The apostles call them out and boom, they dropped in. Awkward. You know, that's, yeah, that's awkward. Yeah. I hate it when that happens. And, uh, and, and it doesn't seem to be something that happens very often. I, I don't know of that happening again, Mm. uh, but I'm sure we'd hear about it if it was happening a lot. Mm-hmm. But what's what's the lesson for us there? Wow, great question.
1: Do you actually think about this stuff before you do the podcast? Like you actually put no, thought into this? No, oh, no, Like you just came up with that I question?
0: I just, just thought of that because I thought that'd be a good question to ask you. Because wow. Voltaire said you, you
1: don't measure a man's intelligence by his answers, but by the questions he asks. Oh, see, I always knew you were a lot smarter than me because how would I ever come up with a question? I mean, not only do I not, not only do I not know a good answer to that, I don't even know how to come up with a question like that. Like, oh. I'm not even angry. I'm, I'm just thoroughly impressed. But, uh, <laughs> but in a feeble attempt to answer that question, well, that's all I want is yes, just sure, sure. you and your feebleness. Yeah. I'm just look at me. My eyes twitching. Um, <laughs> i I consider like again a big message of the gospel is don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing and the Pharisees again to contextualize mm-hmm. this in the broader gospel message Pharisees you know they stand up they blow a horn say hey, hey look at me i'm putting money in the offering yep. and they it's bring that, out
0: the giant check
1: yeah yep. yeah exactly it to me it's the it's the ostentatious look at me look at me uh the showiness mm-hmm that got called out on that occasion. Um, so what's wrong with that? Like the gospel isn't just about PR. I'm I'm not saying there's no room for it, mm-hmm. but it's about making Jesus look good a yeah. lot more than we look good. Yeah, and uh, oh, they Bingo. lied. They lied to the Holy Spirit. And again, yeah, you can fool yourself. You can fool other people. You and, and really, you can even if you're really good you can fool church people Mm -hmm. but you can't fool god you can't you can't lie uh to
0: the holy spirit like Mm
1: -hmm. does that make
0: sense is that how you kind of yeah no i i I think that that's a big part of it i think that uh you know you're right it's it's that wanting to make a name for ourselves Mm -hmm. wanting Mm -hmm. to be seen yeah as oh look at their virtue, look at their how good they are, mm-hmm. and uh, and you're right. The gospel speaks a lot to this private world of generosity, mm-hmm. this quiet work yeah. that's very relational and you know somewhat confidential mm-hmm. and uh, and effective, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's almost like they got they were giving because it was something that would make them look good, but losing sight of why they were giving exactly and who they were giving to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, it's again, being the head of an organization that does yeah. this, I'm, I'm like, I'm not here to blow my horn.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I'm just part of that organizational structure that helps the local church be yeah. itself. Yeah, and then I tell the stories of what our heroes are doing on the front line. Yeah, and I don't hesitate to say to people, "Hey, give us money. We're helping mm-hmm. individuals. We're helping churches reach. Yeah, individuals. We're seeing people get free from the bondage of death, mm. of debt. And uh, once they get free from that, and hey, we can say, hey, now that you're journeying of, uh, with us." You know why we do this. We yeah. just love God. We love Jesus. Can we introduce you to our friend? You don't want that? Okay, we're still gonna love you. Yeah. Maybe down the road someone else will have the privilege of sharing Jesus with them. And to us, we're we just wanna love people. And yeah. uh yeah. I I I struggle with that, Kevin, to be honest. Like I I don't wanna be the guy that's boastful or bragging or wanting the people to
0: think i'm doing such a wonderful thing Yeah, i've never known you to be that way i'd be shocked if you were but yeah you but, know I, I think that you know like before the the pandemic shut down uh a reoccurring temptation for anybody that is serving in the church or serving in christian ministries is that desire to uh you know, be be seen and to be known. Mm-hmm. you know, and and it, it's, it, I think in in uh, millennials and and younger, that desire to build a platform is is so uh, it's it's such a driving force. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I maybe, something that I take from Ananias and Sapphira is, you know, they were building their platform Mm -hmm. and what they should have been building was their altar. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You know, so that's maybe in, in the times that we're living through with everything being off kilter and, and uh, a lot of people are going to be coming to your organization and to our churches because of poverty. Mm Hmm. Let's not, let's not build a platform. Let's mm. let's build an altar. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's build. Let's build that place that uh, brings worship and glory to God. Mm. And uh, man, we could do that all day long, couldn't we? Yeah. 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 What a beautiful. That's place. what you were describing in your staff meeting there mm. every morning at fifteen-minute devotion. Is, you know, we get to do this because yeah. this is worship to God. Yeah, this is life changing and this is loving the poor that are blessed by Jesus. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. I can I go with a quick story right sure. here? Sure. I'm thinking of a lady. I'll, I'll call her Sarah because the story is fresh and I had permission to share it. But uh, just just to be cool, I'm going to call her Sarah. And okay. uh, Sarah was going for an operation she'd been getting out of debt for about a year so halfway through her debt management plan and she requested prayer because she's going for surgery Mm -hmm. not a believer but knowing that her local church cares for her said please would you pray for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i saw her name come up on the weekly prayer requests Mm -hmm. and her debt coach rachel sent us this email and i said to Rachel, like remember how I was talking earlier about things just stand out in your head. Well, I, I read Sarah's story and I'm like, I'm going to pray for Sarah. This, this one's like, it's got a highlighter on it. Pray mm. for this lady. And, mm-hmm. and I do my best to pray for everybody, but come on.
0: Yeah. Sometimes
1: I, they, they get highlighted. Yeah. yeah. So this one stood out. So I prayed for Sarah, checked in later in the week. Hey, how's Sarah doing? She went for surgery on a Friday morning. This is just a few weeks back. And I woke up at six in the morning and I remembered, oh yeah, she's going for early morning surgery at six o'clock. So I prayed for Sarah and uh, and I checked in with Rachel, her, her debt coach and said, uh, any word on Sarah yet? She said, no, not yet. But I said, well, please let her know we're praying for her. And it wasn't just me. Many Mm -hmm. people were praying for her and that was Friday and she did okay with her surgery. Mm -hmm. Sunday she's in the hospital. She's laying on her back, looking up at the ceiling. No one there to talk to her. Can't have visitors because it's COVID. And she just decides to herself, she's, you know what? I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being bitter. I'm tired of being unforgiving. And you know what? God, I don't even know how to pray, but I'm going to give you all of this. All this anger and bitterness and unforgiveness I'm just going to give it all to you. And why don't you just come in? I'm, I'm inviting you to come into my life. Hmm. <laughs> like again, no <laughs> organ music playing gently in the background. Yep. Nobody with persuasive words right there. Right. She's just been loved on by the church, by Rachel and her team who are taking out mother's day gift baskets and doing fresh baking and dropping that off to the clients. Like just just loving people, just Mm -hmm. being real Mm -hmm. and, and asking Sarah what she needs for a year and journeying with her. And that's enough. And Sarah just says, God, I want you in my life. And she gives her life to God because she's had an encounter with not people that are being showy, not people that are trying to build a platform, but people that are just loving and Mm -hmm. caring. And, and you get this because I remember, Kevin, when you stepped out to plant that church in Windsor and I was you know, in the nice suburban church with our beautiful facility and I'm thinking, oh, Kevin, he's finally gone insane. He's lost it. <laughs> yes, he's going, I did. Yes, he's I going, am. <laughs> he's, going into the, he's going into the heart of Drew Lard. Like, what's he doing? And yeah, he's going to get beat up. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I quickly realized, no, that's totally what Jesus would do. And the funny thing is, Kevin, <clears throat> I'd say our, our peers right across the board, <coughs> everybody, you know, very opinionated bunch, the ministers. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't think I've ever heard a negative thing about you. Hmm. You didn't go to look, you didn't go looking to build a reputation, but you just have a reputation of being a solid and a dependable guy who's gone into the inner city loved people like crazy for decades and and you sense the you sense the smile of god on that yeah, you know that and people sense. aren't people aren't like oh kevin's this or... i've never heard a bad word about you yeah. you don't go looking and this is the nature of the kingdom you don't go looking to build a platform but yeah. cool you have one and people respect your voice because you've just loved and served and you haven't chosen to love the rich and famous you've yeah. just chosen to love regular People yeah. and uh, and and that's why for me it's like it's easy. It's like you know what I I I got my kick at the can. I got yeah. to do you know I got to travel all over. I got to do lots of fun stuff and preach here and there. And you know what I I maybe you know I'm in my mid fifties now. Got another decade of mm-hmm. public ministry left. I just want to love people. Yeah, you know, like I want to yeah. I want to do something. Not that the rest of the stuff didn't matter, but you know what I'm saying. It's like this really matters like this is my day job and then my wife you know we're fostering I was telling you we're fostering three kids we got a three three under three Uh, we've had four kids they're all older now but between fostering and uh, just being real like my job every it's like it doesn't get any better than this yeah you know whether you're in the inner city or you're out in your
0: suburbs, yeah. you can still love people in yeah. really practical ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I, I want to thank you so much for uh, uh, talking today and, and uh, sharing everything that's, that's in your heart for today. And, and as we sat and talked here, uh, you know how it is uh, that you, uh, when you're remembering old stories and there's a missing detail. And it niggles at you until it appears. And I remember what it was. What was your mother's name? Anne. Anne. So I screwed up the punchline of the true story. (laughs) Here we go. Okay, so you want um, so many cases of blue. And here's what she said. And what about diet blue? (laughs) Oh, diet. (laughs) That's what it was. Diet blue. Not blue light. Diet blue. Diet blue. There you go. There. Now we're <laughs> back to the fact checking.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's sometimes a much you
0: have to go into the deep archives. Yeah, yeah but it's there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That makes Mark, more this sense. has been so much fun being with you. Thanks, Ken. Uh, my privilege. And uh, looking forward to uh, um, any other times the Lord gives us along the way to to be together.
1: Thank you. Thanks, bro. Bless you, man. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. Yeah, isn't it funny when you try to remember a punchline from uh, many years ago and it takes you 45 minutes into an interview before you finally get it right? Well, anyways, uh, that's, uh, that's part of uh, me aging out, I guess, uh, getting details a little off at times. Mm. Anyways, um, I, on our next episode, dropping on January 15th, Our guest is Paula Castrucci, and uh, Paula uh, is with Youth Unlimited in Toronto. In 2003, she was on an internship where she got to combine her love for two different populations into something that would become uh, a real focus of life for her. And those two populations are uh, youth groups and the urban poor. And uh, so with Youth Unlimited, uh, she's the lead on Project Serve Toronto, where she takes uh, youth groups uh, on a regular basis uh, and uh, brings them into missional experiences in the inner city, uh, where they get to encounter uh, just a real humanizing of uh, what Uh, life in the city and and life in poverty is like and uh, she's having a profound effect on many young lives. Well uh, at the Our City uh, conference in Toronto in 2019 she was one of our uh, guest speakers and uh, she had a session there called Single and Ready to Flamingo. And uh, so uh, we're going to uh, hear that uh, session on our next episode. And uh, so please uh, join us again. And uh, I'm so glad that you've uh, chosen to join us for season two of Sidewalk Skyline podcast. And as we move forward into this year, uh, let's take the angel's advice. Don't be afraid.